Beatrice Spills the Beans on Codependency is a codependency recovery, emotional awareness, and exploration podcast. B is a mom, social worker, and recovering codependent, creating a space for like-minded people who have similar experiences to help empower and cheer each other on. Join B on her journey with emotional exploration. Hey friends, I'm really excited for another month with you. I missed December. I miss podcasting and I've just been having such an itch to get back here. I just got really caught up in the holidays and trying to really take advantage of family time. My son doesn't nap anymore, which was my prime time podcasting time for myself. So now I have to do it while he is in school because I'm just not a nighttime podcaster like I thought I could do it when he goes to bed but I'm not a nighttime person I'm not at my best and I don't want to give you guys anything but the best so I apologize for missing last month and not giving any notice with that being said I just want to give a heads up and some exciting news, but I don't know what it means for the podcast. I just got accepted into a graduate school program for social work, which is a really big deal. And I've been trying for three years to get in. For all of you who don't like rejection, if you've ever been rejected and not got into school when you try, just keep trying. It feels so good once you do get in. I think that I appreciate getting in so much more because it was so much work to get in and I realized I'd never been rejected from a college in my life until I applied for graduate school and it was very hard but exciting. So I start on Thursday, January 13th, which is really exciting but also I just don't know what that's going to look like for the podcast if I'm going to need to take a break or if I'm going to have time to keep doing this. I'm going to do the best I can, and I'll keep you guys posted on my Instagram at Beatrice underscore spills the beans. Again, that's Beatrice underscore spills the beans. I'll give you guys updates on there about, you know, if an episode will be coming out. Otherwise, I'm going to try to keep it monthly. We'll see how that goes. I was really underprepared for this episode. I originally didn't know what I wanted to do the episode on and I cleaned my room out. I did some like massive cleaning, which if you struggle with anxiety, I really recommend doing some massive cleaning before big changes in your life because it just feels so good. It's something I can control and I get really anxious about starting school. I cleaned my room out and my son's room out over the weekend to just prepare for school so that I can start with a clean slate and just feel kind of on top of things. And while I was cleaning, I found some of my old journaling things and some handouts that I had used when I was going through therapy and just learning about myself and my journey with codependency. And I found a paper on emotional abuse. I could tell by my writing and my notes on it that I was already with my current husband and I was reflecting on 
my experience with my ex-husband and seeing if I have any toxic behaviors in my current marriage. And I, I just have so much to say about emotional abuse. I actually had to go back and look through the podcast and see if I'd done an episode on emotional abuse because it's such a big part of my codependency journey. I thought I must have covered it, but I didn't. So today's episode is going to be on emotional abuse. With that, let's get started. So let's start with a definition of emotional abuse. Emotional abuse involves non-physical behaviors that belittles another person and include insults, put-downs, verbal threats, or other tactics that make the victim feel threatened, inferior, ashamed, or degraded. It took me quite some time and quite a bit of therapy to recognize that my past relationship was extremely abusive because... I just assumed that because it wasn't physically abusive, it wasn't an abusive relationship. And I think that's part of the issue with emotional abuse is that people think, oh, it's not that bad. It's just a little bit more covert. So it's not noticed as easily. Kind of like I always say functioning addicts or functioning alcoholics are more dangerous than full-blown non-functioning addicts and alcoholics because non-functioning people hit their bottom a lot quicker, whereas functioning addicts, their bottom isn't as noticeable and it can go on for a lot longer without them getting help. And that's kind of how it is. Physical abuse is like it's something that happens and it's a big explosion and something very dramatic occurs. It's just noticeable and everyone knows it's wrong and you don't have to like argue your point. Whereas emotional abuse, it's kind of that unseen abuse where you just have so much shame for dealing with it. And also people don't see it. Like it's not something you physically see unless you hear someone being degrading, which I grew up where emotional abuse was so normalized that I didn't know that it wasn't normal. And so in my marriage, I just thought that that was normal behavior. And I didn't like it just I felt like when I was saying I was emotionally abused or that I was in an abusive relationship, I felt like I was being overdramatic. And the truth is, is that's not dramatic at all. It's the truth. And sometimes knowing the signs and naming it makes a huge difference in recovery. It helps to give some understanding of what's going on. And it's just so important. It's so important to recognize abuse. And I hope this episode goes out to people who haven't even been in relationships yet so that they know the signs going into it. Or if you recognize these signs in not even a romantic relationship, but a friendship or with your parents or with your siblings, you can learn from the other episodes of detachment and boundaries and just learning how to 
separate yourself from these behaviors. So I found a article called 30 Signs of Emotional Abuse in a Relationship, and it's written by Barry Davenport. And I just wanted to share these 30 signs, and I know that sounds overwhelming, but I think it's important to know a lot of different signs of emotional abuse. At the beginning of this article, it says, what is emotional abuse? And I want to read this little blurb before we get to the 30 signs. Emotional abuse involves patterns of verbal offense, threatening, bullying, and constant criticism, as well as more subtle tactics like intimidation, shaming, and manipulation. Emotional abuse is used to control and subjugate the other person, and quite often it occurs because the abuser has childhood wounds and insecurities that haven't been dealt with, perhaps as a result of being abused themselves. So, like I said, unlike physical abuse, where there's a dramatic outburst, emotional abuse can be more covert and underlying. So the abuser and or the victim are usually not aware of it, which makes it even more dangerous in ways. Let's get into the 30 signs of emotional abuse. Again, this is a list made by Barry Davenport. One, they humiliate you, put you down, or make fun of you in front of others. You know, this is interesting because I try to be balanced with talking about my relationships and or just my past relationship and my wrongdoings and his wrongdoings and in my first marriage I was the emotionally abusive one when it comes to number one because behind closed doors I would take and take and take the emotional abuse that when we were around other people especially my family I would degrade and put down my ex in front of my family, it wasn't right. And that's something I learned to not bring into my current marriage. And that came from not having respect for my ex-husband and because I felt so powerless when we were alone that I knew he wouldn't act out when I was around my family. So I felt like I had some power and I would be belittling and degrading towards him. And it did not make for things to be good when I went home. So that one was really eye-opening for me to read. Number two, they regularly demean or disregard your opinion, ideas, suggestions, or needs. Number three, they use sarcasm or teasing to put you down or make you feel bad about yourself. And I also think that for, so number three just sparks a thought that As a codependent person, I have a lot of passive aggressive tendencies. And so using sarcasm or teasing to put others down, like sarcasm is a big thing in my 12 step program that I'm learning that isn't healthy. It's not a healthy thing, but I grew up with sarcasm. Like there's so much passive aggressiveness in my family of origin and just that's how we dealt with things was making jokes and being sarcastic and instead of just being honest and vulnerable. And so that was a regular thing on both sides in my toxic relationship. And I didn't notice it. And I also notice now that that's something I have to work on and just being more direct and less 
sarcastic is really important for a healthy relationship. Number four, they accuse you of being too sensitive in order to deflect their abusive remarks. That is so accurate. I mean, uh, it's so weird because my abuser was so sensitive himself but would always tell me how I was too sensitive and there was something wrong with me. And honestly, my whole life I've been told I was too sensitive. And that's another, that, I mean, that's how I know I was in emotional abuse my whole life. Five, they try to control you and treat you like a child. Yes, yes, yes. Six, they correct or chastise you for your behavior. It's so interesting because I can see myself in these as well as it happening to me and that's just me being completely honest but learned behaviors yeah I mean I was emotionally abusive as well and that's something reading this that I'm I know I was aware of that when I read this but I kind of forgot so it's just important to be honest and to look in the mirror sometimes and I wasn't just a victim. I was a perpetrator in certain ways, too. And so, I mean, that's important to admit at times. So, again, six, they correct or chastise you for your behavior. Seven, you feel like you need permission to make decisions or to go out somewhere. That was definitely, yeah. I mean, I think that even in my relationship now, we don't ever feel like we need permission, but we respect each other and we run things by each other. But, like, feeling like you need permission, like, my mom has had a 9 o'clock curfew my entire life, and we used to joke that her curfew was earlier than our curfew when we were teenagers, because my dad would just make her life hell if she wasn't home at 9 o'clock. He'd be calling and yelling at her. That's emotional abuse. Like, that's, yeah, that's, that's not how it is in my current marriage. I like, I'm never going to be in trouble for or have to be home by a certain time. Eight, they try to control the finances and how you spend money. Nine, they belittle and trivialize you, your accomplishments, or your hopes and dreams. There's a reason I didn't get past junior college in my first relationship. It took me a long time to get through my first two years of college because I didn't feel supported and... I would be made to feel guilty for trying to pursue those things. Ten, they try to make you feel as though they are always right and you are wrong. Eleven, they give you disapproving and contemptuous looks or body language. 12. They regularly point out your flaws, mistakes, or shortcomings. 13. They accuse or blame you of things you know aren't true. I was always blamed for being a slut and being a cheater in my first marriage, and he was like the only one I had ever been with for so long that it was so ridiculous. Projection at its finest. 14, they have an inability to laugh at themselves and can't tolerate others laughing at them. 15, they are intolerant of any seeming lack of respect. They can be so disrespectful to you, but if they feel any lack of respect, it's the end of the world. 
16. They make excuses for their behaviors, try to blame others, and have difficulty apologizing. 17. They repeatedly cross your boundaries and ignore your requests. And that's why I teach so much about boundaries and why boundaries are so important. Because if people cross your boundaries and have no respect for your boundaries, that is a very telling sign that they are not healthy people in your lives and that they bring toxicity to your life. 18. They blame you for their problems, life, difficulties, and unhappiness. Everything is your fault. 19. They call you names, give you unpleasant labels, or making cutting remarks under their breath. I said that I want this to go out to people who have never been in relationships, meaning, you know, that this might hit some younger audience. So I'm not going to cuss, but I can say that the hardest thing that I would be called all the time was the B word. And my ex knew that that was a trigger for me because that's what my brothers always called me growing up when I wouldn't do what they wanted or I didn't give in to them. So that one was really hard for me to swallow. 20, they are emotionally distant or emotionally unavailable most of the time. I think that that was a lot of where the fighting came in is I never felt closer to my ex than after we got in a fight and then we would make up because he was so emotionally unavailable without a fight happening and then making up that that was like how I felt the connection. It was really interesting. Like in my relationship now, I think my husband struggles with being emotionally available at times just because he has his own traumas and stuff. But like, I don't feel like he keeps it from me and gives it to me. He's grown so much in our marriage. And when I tell him that I need like that emotional connection, he writes me a letter or he does something nice for me if I feel like we're struggling to have that connection. I never, ever pick a fight with him it's not that pattern. It's not the pattern of like getting in a fight and making up, getting in a fight and making up. Like we have emotional connections by doing like a little marriage workbook session or him doing a romantic gesture or going out on a date or playing a game together. Like we have healthy ways of making emotional connections. Whereas in my past relationship, the only way I knew how to make an emotional connection was to get in a big fight and have that time of makeup. Or he would act out and do something wrong and I would call him out on it and I would like put my foot down and then he would show like vulnerability, which was manipulation. But he would always be the sweetest after something bad happened. I only got the emotional connection when it was convenient for him. 21. They resort to pouting or withdrawal to get attention or attain what they want. 22. They don't show you empathy or compassion. 23. They play the victim and try to deflect blame to you rather than taking personal responsibilities. Yes. Oh my gosh. I was always the reason that he was out cheating or doing partying and staying out all night. He always, always picked a fight with me, made me feel like a terrible person when he would do those things. It was definitely a pattern. I felt like he deserved to go out and do those things because I was a terrible person. He was very good at putting it on me. 
24, they disengage or use neglect or abandonment to punish or frighten you. So towards the end of my marriage, my ex would not come in the bedroom at night until I was asleep. He would avoid me. It was the loneliest time of my life. You can be in an unhealthy relationship and that's so much lonelier than being alone. And that's such an interesting dynamic. 25, they don't seem to notice or care about your feelings. 26, they view you as an extension of themselves rather than as an individual. 27, they would hold sex as a way to manipulate and control. That's kind of like what I was saying where he wouldn't come to bed. Like that was, he wouldn't have sex with me. And it was definitely a manipulation and control tactic. 28, they share personal information about you with others. Yep. And I did that too. That was something I was guilty of. And he called me out on it. It went both ways. And it was something I have definitely learned from and grown from. But I think that that was part of trying to shame him in front of others, which was really unhealthy. 29, they invalidate or deny their emotional abusive behaviors when confronted. I think that that's the difference between... I think I want to make myself sound better. I do appreciate about myself that I'm able to see the things that I've done wrong and I can learn from them and grow from them. Whereas my previous relationship, there's no way that he would own his behaviors. Like there's just no way. And that doesn't make what I did right either. But that's the best thing about my current marriage is that my husband is willing to grow and he's willing to learn and we grow together and we hear each other out and we we both take ownership and like that is such an important thing in a relationship is to take ownership of situations and wrongdoings and 30 they make subtle threats or negative remarks with the intent to frighten or control you yes my ex always threatened divorce or threatened to break up and it worked really well I could not imagine my life without him and it was so scary. So we went to therapy two months before we actually split up and we made a deal that we were not going to say the D word divorce. And he made a deal not to do it. So when he asked for a divorce at that two month mark, once we split up, he said, I want a divorce. I took him seriously and I was like, okay, like we're doing this because I'm not going to take these threats any longer. And it took him five months to beg for me back. I was in the airport on the way to Europe with my dad, which is so frustrating because he totally like changed. Like I spent that trip considering getting back with him, which thank goodness I didn't. But it totally manipulated me to like not be as joyous and free as I would. Like it was this emotional baggage I took on that amazing trip with me. But I learned from that and I know now that that was manipulation. So I took that word seriously and that threat seriously. And that's why we broke up and we split up was because I was done taking the intimidation and the manipulation. And we made a deal and he went against the deal. And so that was what happened. That was the first step for me taking my power back. And that was so important. 
So those were the 30 signs of emotional abuse. And like I always say, awareness sparks growth, my friends. And the first step to healing from an abusive relationship or even recognizing like I shared that you might have some abusive tendencies yourself like I do. Like I've recognized that I can be emotionally abusive and that's something I have to keep in check because it's learned behavior. It's how I learned how to navigate relationships. And so it was something that I was guilty of as well. That awareness sparks growth in ourselves and navigating toxic relationships. And it's important to have that awareness. And just knowing the signs can help you to live a healthier life in the future and to have healthier relationships. Like I said, when I stopped taking that manipulation and when my ex said the D word, I took it seriously and took my power back, like recognizing the signs and doing something different. Or if you're noticing that you're the emotionally abusive one, behaving differently, reacting differently, changing your behaviors, that is giving you your power back. And a lot of times as codependents, we learn to be emotionally abusive. You're toxic because you're in a toxic environment or you were always in a toxic environment. Being emotionally abusive doesn't make you a bad person. It really can be learned behavior. It really can be a reaction to abuse. We know as codependent people that we have a conscience and we feel guilty for behaving in certain ways. And it's important to take our power back and not be a nasty person that we don't want to be and to not be an abusive person that we don't want to be. We have the power to take control of our lives and be the person we want to be and be with people who make us better and help us to be better people and not put us in the toxic pattern that we have been trying so hard to break out of our whole lives. So awareness sparks growth. Take this as the awareness of what emotional abuse is and do with it as you will. But I hope that it helps you to be a stronger and better person and to take the first step of owning your power and taking your power back. That's why I love that song. This is my fight song. Take back my life song. Prove I'm all right song. That was my anthem when I was going through my divorce because I was gonna fight and I was gonna take back my life and everything was gonna be better from that and I did it and I played that song all the time and even when I hear that song now it just brings back so many emotions of strength that I had to pull to get myself out of that situation when you have dealt with abuse for such a long time so much that you don't even recognize it as abuse and you've just been minimizing and denying it and hiding it or just avoiding it in general, it can be really frightening and painful, like emotionally painful to take that first step of fighting for what's right for you and getting out of that toxic situation. So be gentle with yourself and know that it's very hard and it's going to take time and effort and it's not going to change overnight. But you are worth the fight. You are worth it. 
You are worthy of a healthy relationship. You are worthy of a loving and healthy relationship. If you stick with someone who is emotionally abusive for a long period of time, it can end up causing illnesses, emotional trauma, depression, anxiety. It just oozes into all different areas of your life. It's not going to end and it's not going to make things better by sticking around. I really recommend talking to a licensed counselor or someone who's trained in dealing with abusive relationships to help you navigate the emotional pain that comes up and the fears and navigating getting through changing, leaving, or becoming a better person yourself, changing or leaving a relationship, setting boundaries, and having healthier boundaries for yourself and your environment and the people you interact with. I think that having a counselor to guide you through that time period and have someone to listen to you and and just help you have some perspective is really helpful in that phase of life. I think you can gain from a counselor all the time, but I definitely think it's important in those times where you are navigating relationships that are unhealthy. And lastly, just this is really hard for codependent people, but it's so important when you're in an emotional abusive situation to put your own needs first, to not worry about protecting and pleasing the abuser, and to take ownership of your own needs. So here are some steps for reclaiming your own power. Don't engage. If the abuser tries to pick a fight or win an argument, don't engage with anger over explaining yourself or apologies to try to smooth things over. Just keep quiet and walk away. Realize that you can't fix them. Do you hear that codependence out there? Realize you can't fix them. That should be like a banner for codependence. (laughs) We are not the fixers. We think we are, but we're not. You can't make this person change or reason your way into their hearts and minds. They must want to change and recognize the destructive quality of their behaviors and words. You'll only feel worse about yourself in this situation by repeated interventions. You are not to blame. If you've been entrenched in an abusive relationship for a while, it can be crazy making. You start to feel like something must be wrong with you since the other person treats you so poorly. Begin to acknowledge to yourself that it is not you. This is the first step towards rebuilding your self-esteem. Seek support. Like I said, a trusted friend, a licensed counselor, a therapist who specializes in abusive relationships. Do not isolate yourself. You are not alone. You have a support system. You have people that love you. If you feel that you truly don't have a support system, build one. Go to a domestic violence shelter. Yes, emotional abuse is domestic violence. Get resources from that domestic violence shelter for counseling, for support groups, and build a tribe. You can do it. I believe in you and you're worthy of having a support system. Develop an exit plan. So... It's not healthy to remain in an emotionally abusive relationship forever. Yes, emotional abusers can change. It's not likely, but they can. But 
I wouldn't hold out hopes, work on yourself and putting yourself in a safe environment. And if that person changes down the road, that's great. But don't, don't hang up your hopes on that. Don't hold your breath that they will. Lastly, emotional abuse is a form of brainwashing that slowly erodes the victim's sense of self security and trust in themselves and others. In many ways, it is more detrimental than physical abuse because it slowly disintegrates one's sense of self and personal values. It cuts to the core of your essential being, which can create lifelong psychological scars and emotional pain. So that is my episode on emotional abuse. It was a heavy one, and I never expect it to be so heavy as it is, but obviously I just really like heavy subjects. But... This is just a public service announcement. If you are in an emotionally abusive relationship, seek help. If you don't have a counselor, there's lots of apps out there where you can do like Zoom conferences. I don't get paid by any of them, so I'm not going to false sponsor them, but you can look them up, counseling apps, or check out your local domestic violence shelter and get information from them on resources in the community. There is help in your community. There are established nonprofit organizations that dedicate their lives to helping people in these situations. You are worthy of love, of healthy love, and you can make happy and healthy decisions for yourself. And when I was in my emotionally abusive relationship, I was robbed of that idea that I can make happy and healthy decisions for myself. So I like to remind you that you can. And awareness sparks growth, my friends. And I love you guys. And I will see you next time. Wish me luck in school. I will let you know if there's a delay in any of my episodes because of school starting. But I hope that it doesn't change things. I love getting in this little closet and pouring out my heart to you guys. It's so healing. And thank you for letting me teach you the little knowledge I do know about these subjects from my experiences. So I hope you guys have a great month. Happy January. My love to you. Bye, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you relate to anything in this podcast and you would love to just make my day, it would be awesome if you went to Apple Podcasts and wrote a review for the podcast. It's super helpful. That's what gets me out there and gets other people to recognize my podcast is through reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions and comments for me directly, you can DM me at Beatrice underscore spills the beans on Instagram or at codependency at Beatrice spills the beans.com. I am so thankful for my listeners. I love you guys so much. I appreciate all the DMs I get and all of the personal messages of how this podcast is helping you. Sometimes when I'm in this little closet, I don't know if it's making a difference, but I can say that it's very therapeutic for me and I'm going to keep doing it because I am fulfilled by it. I just love your guys' support so much. And like I said, if you could write a review, that would be super helpful. And just remember, awareness sparks growth, my friends. Bye.